Listen now to God's word as it comes to us from the prophet Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many laying in the valley, and they were very dry. And God said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them. Flesh had had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then God said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they might live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, and there was a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves. I'm going to bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. I will place you on your own soil, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. In 2002, I was sent by New Hope Presbytery to a small country church in rural North Carolina. Been without a pastor for over two years. And according to the leaders of Presbytery, it was time to have a discussion with them about closing their church. So I called the clerk of their session, and on the phone he was very welcoming, very charming. He said he looked forward to my visit. He said, when you come, we'll celebrate communion with us, won't you? We haven't had communion since our pastor left. And I said, well, sure, I'll come on Sunday morning and celebrate communion with you. And then he tried to give me directions to this church. You see, it didn't have a street address. It had been built on a farmer's cotton field. And so he said, if you come down the country road, eventually you'll look over and you'll see the church rising over the cotton. I hung up and I, I said a little prayer for myself <laughs> and for the church. I couldn't imagine how sad it would be to close a church I'd never done such a thing. I imagined 
the empty pews and maybe the quiet hallways. I imagined a kind of a dry and lifeless place in the middle of a bleak cotton field, a place with no hope, a place with no future. And that's exactly what Ezekiel saw when he looked at God's people, the conquered, exiled people of Israel. In the vision I just read to you, God brings Ezekiel to a valley, and this valley is full of bones, dry bones. It's a really dramatic image, isn't it, of life without hope, life without a future. God leads the prophet through this sad and desolate place, and then God speaks. Ezekiel, my people say our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, and we are cut off. But what do you say, prophet? What do you say, Ezekiel? Can these bones live? Is there hope for my people? Do they have a future? Can new life come from desolation and defeat? Can these bones live? The question kind of lingers in the air, doesn't it? The question echoes over the dry bones of grief and despair. Can these bones live? Now that is a powerful question, my friends, and it's a question that still lingers in the air and echoes over the dry, lifeless places in our souls, in our families, in our church, and in our world. I hear it whispered all the time, and I know you do too. Can these bones live? It lingers over the dry bones of grief when families must move past the death of a loved one. And it lingers over the dry bones of fear when parents watch their children sink into depression or addiction. And it lingers over the dry bones of despair when the diagnosis is dire or the financial news is dismal. It even lingers over the dry bones of hatred and ignorance and injustice as institutions retreat from working for the common good or the common future of the planet, or even worse, when they seek to destroy or dehumanize the other, whoever the other might be. That question, that question just hangs around, doesn't it? Can these bones live? Is there hope? Is there a future? Is there new life? Can these bones live? Such an important question, my friends, for so many in our world. It might even be the most important question on your heart this day. And that's why we have to pay really close attention to Ezekiel's answer, Ezekiel's response. In the middle of this vast vision of lifelessness, when confronted by God's question. Ezekiel does the most faithful thing possible. Nothing. Nothing. Think about it. He doesn't try to clean up that valley of bones, does he? No, and he doesn't start piecing them together, making little skeletons all over the place. And he doesn't run out and form a resuscitation committee to investigate the possibility of new life. That's a kind of a Presbyterian answer. He doesn't even scour his memory to quote God's word from the past as a decent answer to God's question. 
No, Ezekiel's experience of God and experience of dry bone places brings him to one faithful resting place. Hope, a future, new life for a nation or a family, a church, or for each of us, that is only God's to give. Ezekiel looked out on a valley of dry bones and understands that, humanly speaking, it's over for Israel. And Ezekiel knows that only God can provide the new spirit necessary to make those dry bones live again. So he answers, You, O Lord, you know. You know. And then he waits upon his God. Now, friends, that is faithfulness. That is faithfulness. And here's the funny thing about being faithful. It can put you in an amazingly, wonderfully strange place as an instrument of God, because the next thing Ezekiel knows, God is commanding him to preach to a valley of dry bones. Preach to bones. Go on, Ezekiel, says God. Tell them. Tell these bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, that is a strange visual, my friends. Maybe it's because I'm a preacher, you know, but that visual of of imagining Ezekiel standing up, taking a deep breath, and looking out at nothing but bones. There in that valley with the question, can these bones live still lingering in the air? And his answer, you know, oh God, you know, still lingering as well. Ezekiel did what he was told. As ludicrous as it seems, he began to speak life over those dry bones. And guess what? God did know. God did know because the bones came together, they stood up, and then God filled them with a new spirit, with new hope, with new life. So tell my people, God says to Ezekiel, tell them. I'll bring them back to their land. I'll bring them up from their graves. I will put my spirit within them and they will live. I'll place them on their own soil. Then, then they'll know that I have spoken, and I have acted. And friends, that's exactly what God did for Israel. That's exactly what God can do in any dark valley, any dry place, with any bone of evil or despair or fear. That's what our God does. We worship a God who resuscitates, who sends new spirit into dry bones, new life into lost hope, and new roads for those cut off from mercy or justice. Thanks be to God. Yet the question, perennial question, it still lingers for you and for me, for our world. Can these bones live? That's why in the 14th chapter of John, right before his Jesus gathered his disciples. He gathered them together to talk to them about the Spirit, the Spirit that would come to them, that would be available to them after his death, after his resurrection. You see, Jesus knew that as soon as that stone rolled over his tomb and the horror of the crucifixion really sank in, that his followers would be in a valley of dry bones. They would be lost. They would be devastated. He knew that that question 
would be lingering in the air. Can these bones live? Is God's kingdom still at hand? Is what Jesus taught us, what Jesus showed us, is it still real with him not here? So very gently, Jesus prepares them. God will send you the helper, the advocate, the spirit. And that spirit, it's going to give you peace and courage, peace and courage that can only come from God. It will settle your hearts. And it will allow you to look at dry bones and to wait upon the Lord. And that spirit will then send you to speak life into a world desperate for hope and resurrection. I have told you this before it occurs, Jesus said, so that when it does occur, you may believe. And friends, it occurred. It occurred. We call it Pentecost, when God's Spirit filled the dry bones of crestfallen believers with hope and power and life. That Spirit unleashed contagious joy in the resurrection of Christ. And that Spirit taught the church to speak life over every dry place, every despairing situation, every bone of injustice or fear. And at our best, at our best, our most faithful, you and I and the church continue to do just that. We continue to hear the question lingering in our world, can these bones live? And we answer, you know, O God, you know, and we wait. We wait to be led by God to speak just those places. That is exactly what happened a little over a year ago, Memorial Day 2015, after the devastating floods that happened here in Central Texas. As many of you know, we're part of the Austin Disaster Relief Network, a group of Christian churches and businesses who band together to try and help bring relief in times of disaster. Well, this little organization was only six years old when it faced its, the greatest disaster in its history, and that was, that was the Memorial Day flood. 1,800 families were impacted, hundreds of homes destroyed, and 900 families turned to ADRN for help. 900 families. What devastation, what sadness, what a valley of bones. So many crying for help, asking the question, can these bones live? Well, friends, members of this congregation stepped up. And because of our members, five families were personally shepherded through that recovery process. Folks right here at Westlake Hills, walking through that process with them. Others worked in search and rescue. Others volunteered at the furniture warehouse, and many, many of you donated both goods and money. And because of that, just about a month ago, we were um, given this plaque, a thank you by ADRN, um, a, a very beautiful reminder of our partnership, a very beautiful reminder of the good work that was done by members of this church. This, my friends, is the church at its best. This is the church speaking life to dry bones, giving glory to God who brings a new spirit and new life into hurting places. I've asked Becky Lanier to stand up. Um, She's wearing her ADRN t-shirt. She is our disaster relief coordinator here at Westlake Hills and works with uh, this wonderful organization. And I asked her to stand. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. 
I, I asked her to stand because there will be other disasters and there is training necessary for those who are going to be shepherds. And if you are feeling called, now is the time to be trained so that when the next disaster comes, we can be that conduit of love and grace. So on a beautiful Sunday morning in 2002, I drove two hours into the country, driving to that little church, all the while thinking about the poor little church and poor little all the way wondering what kind of valley of dry bones I was about to enter. And just like the clerk of session told me, sure enough, when I got to the cotton fields on this country road, I looked in the distance and there it was, a small white church in the middle of the cotton field. But I have to tell you, there was nothing desolate about this little church. If you've ever been in a cotton field right before it's harvested, it hadn't been harvested yet. It was full and bright white and beautiful. And I swear to you, it looked like that church was floating on a cloud out in the, in the field. But the closer I got, I noticed it wasn't just the church floating on the cloud. There were dozens of cars, dozens of trucks parked all around the church floating on that same cloud. And when I finally got there and parked in their parking lot, there was nothing deserted and nothing quiet about that little church. I was a little disoriented. I had to stand in the parking lot for a few minutes and take it all in. The sound of children laughing, laughing coming from the classroom windows. The aroma of fresh fried chicken wafting in from the kitchen. And people dozens and dozens of people gathering in a clean and bright and well-prepared sanctuary, just ready to be together to worship God, excited to get to have communion together for the first time in years. Apparently, no one told this little church that it was about to die. And certainly no one had told this little church that I was coming to close them, right? No one told this place that without a pastor, their bones were dried up and their hope was lost and they were cut off from ministry. Apparently, the Spirit, the one Jesus promised, was blowing through this place, filling it and with life. It seems that one of the church's elders heard God ask, can these bones live? And knowing God's faithfulness, he also heard God command for him to preach to those bones. So for two years, that faithful elder had worshipped in that place, had preached in that place, had spoke words of life into this small, dying, rural congregation, and lo and behold, the congregation grew by 200% in two years. Instead of closing a church that day, I began the process of training and installing that church's first certified lay pastor. I should have known. I should have known. If I had, if I had just remembered Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones or, or remembered Jesus' teaching about the Spirit, if I had remembered that God raised Jesus from the dead and does the same for you and for me again and again and again, then I would have... I would have known, I would have suspected 
that resurrection of a beautiful little rural church was just the kind of thing our God might do. Can these bones live? Friends, when you hear that question, when you ask that question, when circumstances whisper that question, remember, remember who our God is. Remember what our God does. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. Dry bone valleys are never too much for our God. In fact, it's in just such places that the Spirit of God does its best work. That's where the Spirit knits us together. The Spirit stands us up on our feet. That's where the Spirit blows new life into us, and that's where the Spirit gives us new marching orders. Can these bones live? You, O oh God, you know. Alleluia. Amen.